Welcome to the Get Your Donut Podcast. We're here to exchange our consumeristic Christianity for a life fully surrendered to Christ, and to never let our faith be as simple as grabbing coffee and a donut in the lobby. Let's do this. Today's episode was recorded with Heidi Matsky. Heidi is the director of Alternatives Pregnancy Center in Sacramento, California, and has served as the director for almost eight years. She's helped Alternatives pioneer a new model of pregnancy center, and she's an excellent speaker, having spoken on many podcasts, the TV news, as well as the U.S. Senate floor. Heidi's an amazing follower of Jesus with an incredible testimony to how God works in our lives, and you guys are definitely going to want to hear what she has to say. So here is my conversation with Heidi. I hope you enjoy. Well, Heidi, I have met you uh, once or twice before in person, actually gotten to come down and seen uh, where where you work and the things that you do. And so I'm really excited to introduce you to uh, our listeners uh, today and to get into uh, the topic for the episode. Um, but before we we kind of jump in, would you mind answering just a couple of intro questions uh, about yourself? Uh, the first one that I have for you is, what is your favorite donut and why? <laughs> Noah, it is a privilege to to speak to you today, as well as your listening audience, and to talk about a really difficult subject. Um, but I love that we're starting out talking about donuts. So I would say my favorite donut is old fashioned glazed, because you can take the edges that are like nice and crusty and full of that good grease fat and kind of pull it apart yep. and eat it piece by piece. So those are my, that's my favorite. That's true. That's a respectable donut choice. And that is the best way to eat an old fashioned donut too, in my opinion. Sometimes I watch people just jump right in with a, a bite of the entire thing. And I feel like you don't know you're, how to eat the you're donut. Doing that that you're so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the right way to go about that. Uh, cool. Well, well, thank you. Uh, again, a, a blessing and an honor to have you um, on the show. I would love for you to just take a minute uh, and just tell us all a little bit about who you are, what you do, uh, how you got there, uh, a chance for maybe some of our listeners who who don't know who you are to get to know uh, you, Heidi, and and hear about what you're doing and, and how you got there. Yeah. So my name is Heidi Maskey. I'm the director of Alternatives Pregnancy Center in Sacramento, California. And I have been the director here for, it will be eight years in July, which seems wow just crazy to me. Um, in some respects, it seems like a lifetime and in other respects, it's just like the blink of an eye. So um, yeah, what draw me, what drew me into this ministry was really a situation that happened in my family 28 years ago. My little sister was faced with an unplanned pregnancy. I grew up in a Christian home and uh, her senior year, she got involved in a relationship that she knew was not God's best for her. There's a long story there. Uh, but the day we were packed and ready to go to college after she had received a full ride scholarship to Point Loma in San Diego, the day we were packed and ready to leave, she woke up throwing up that morning. And um, my mom was at work at the time. And my mom said, you know, before we get in the car and drive for 18 hours, I just want you to go to the doctor and make sure everything's okay. So she went to the doctor and came home. We were waiting for my mom to get home to leave. And uh, she walked in the door and collapsed on the ground and said, you're never going to believe this, but I'm pregnant. And so I tell people all the time, you know, you can be as pro-life as you want. Um, you know, growing up in a Christian home, being taught the beauty and the sanctity of human life at a young age in and in a Christian environment 
We started our Bible club at our high school, uh, public high school, started our pro-life club at our high school. Um, you know, that's all great in theory, but until that's you on the floor uh, with mm. your entire future that has just been gone up in smoke in a matter of moments, um, you know, you really have no idea what's going on in the heart and the mind of, of a young woman who is, is being faced with an unplanned pregnancy situation. And wow. so it was that situation 28 years ago, um, where, you know, as I collapsed on the ground with her and we cried and we prayed, it's in those moments as believers, um, that what we believe about the God that we serve dictates often how we're going to behave. Um, and where do y- most young Christian women go when they're faced with an unplanned pregnancy, unfortunately, many young Christian women end up at Planned Parenthood um, because either A, they don't know that pregnancy centers like ours exist, or B, they feel like um, just they they can't face the shame and the guilt and uh, the hypocrisy, you know, um, in, in being in an unplanned pregnancy situation and choosing life. And so, um, but praise God, my little sister chose life for my nephew. He's now 28 years old. He's a youth pastor in Lakewood, Colorado, is very pro-life, as you can imagine. And uh, really, it was Alternatives Pregnancy Center in Denver, Colorado at the time that walked our family through that crisis. It really was a crisis for our family. Um, And I was so blessed by... Uh, watching uh, Alternatives Pregnancy Center come around my sister, come around my family, offer her the medical services that she needed to make a life choice, um, and and then walk with her for nine months as she was still trying to decide if she was going to keep my nephew or give him up for adoption. And so I just watched that ministry bless my family in ways I can't even describe and so when my husband and I moved to Sacramento uh, from Denver uh, to take a youth pastor position uh, for $700 a month, um, that was our <laughs> salary, um, Twenty. that was back in 1999. Um, there was, when we got here in Sacramento, we heard that there was alternatives pregnancy center here in California. And so we, we both felt very compelled to immediately get involved um, mm. with um, walk for life and, uh, galas and anything that we could potentially be a part of. And then my husband being a youth pastor was asked to be on the board, uh, for a period of time. And, and then that led to my journey. And there's a whole story that we could literally talk for two hours about, which, uh, (laughs) leads to how God led me here. And, um, but no doubt a calling that God has uh, placed over my life, a calling that I will say, um, I, I kind of came not kicking and screaming, but this was, you know, being a part of the most politically and emotionally charged nonprofit in America today was not something I said, sign me up for. It was undeniably a calling that God had placed over my life that I had to submit myself to. And um, it was the first time in my walk with the Lord where I truly felt what it meant to deny myself, to take up my cross and to follow Christ wherever he leads us. 
And oftentimes, if we're believers in Jesus Christ and we're serious about walking uh, in a manner worthy of the gospel and 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 serve, using our lives to serve Him, we'll say, you know, hear my Lord, send me. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, God will say, go there and do that. And you're like, yeah, anywhere but there, and any yeah. anything but that. <laughs> yeah. And so oh. I definitely, I definitely felt that, and I. Mm. Um, I came just experiencing uh, not a fear of the world, but a fear of my God if I chose to walk in disobedience wow. to that calling. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And man, I wish I had hours to hear all of the, <laughs> the other parts of the stories too. Um, I, maybe take a second and tell us uh, some more of the ins and outs of what Alternatives Pregnancy Center does, because I think some of us hear that, uh, and maybe like I've gone and taken a tour with you guys and I've seen, uh, in person what you guys are doing. Um, but I think, I think there's probably a good amount of people who have never stepped foot in a center like yours. And so maybe they're not totally sure all of the things that you guys do and offer and even hearing from how powerful it was in your own story. I think it'd probably be helpful for us to hear everything that, that you guys kind of do. Yeah. Well, first off, no, you need to come down to our new clinic because you were okay. at the old clinic and um, we, God has just blessed us with a brand new 7,000 square foot oh my uh, gosh. clinic that has uh, three exam rooms now will allow us to basically serve triple our patient capacity. Wow. And um, it that alone has its own incredible story that goes with it. And okay. I, and for your listening audience, I always say, don't believe me you actually should come down and see it yourself. And you yeah. can sign up for a tour on our website. If you go to pgtest.org, that's pgtest.org. Um, and then you can, uh, uh, under the supporters tab, you can actually sign up for a tour. And our tours are not just about, hey, here's an exam room and here's a conference room. It's really the history of the organization, how God has walked faithfully, uh, in and through this ministry over the last 41 years, along with what God has done in and through my journey as the director yeah. for the last eight years. So wow. just really encourage you to come and see it. We had yeah, our, definitely. we had a huge open house here um, uh, last weekend. It was so fun to hear people okay. who said, I've supported you all these years, but mm. I've never actually been down and, and seen your clinic. And I just, that we're blown away by what God has done here. So that that's my wow. shameless plug to come for yeah. a tour. <laughs> no, that's great. I would love to come for a tour. And I'm going to throw that link in the description of the episode for any uh, listeners who want to check that out. I'll just link it right there for them uh, to schedule yeah. a tour. Yeah, um, God is yeah. so good because he gave us connections with um, a hospital, a, a company that is outfits hospitals nationwide. Uh, so wow. our clinic is uh, Knights of Columbus donated $320,000 brand new ultrasound machines. Oh my gosh. So our clinic is, is state of the art. I had an ER doctor that took a tour here, um, just a couple of weeks ago. And he said, Heidi, I've never seen anything like this. And you know, that's wow. kind of what I was, that's kind of <laughs> yeah. what I was going for. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's a, oh. it's a far cry from, from where we were even, even yeah. just a year ago. So so yeah. a little bit about alternatives. So Alternatives Pregnancy Center, uh, we became a licensed medical clinic uh, 20 years ago, and that has a fun story associated with it. Um, becoming a licensed medical clinic allowed us to 
perform pregnancy tests and ultrasounds. Uh, And we had an OBGYN doctor that oversaw our our, um, uh, uh, medical services. Um, So, but about five years ago, God had just really impressed upon my heart uh, what pregnancy centers were to look like in the future. And about five years ago, I was doing a precept study in the book of Joshua. I was learning how God had called Joshua and Caleb to enter this promised land. That land was filled with sin. It was filled with the Canaanites and the Ammonites. They worshiped the God of Moloch and uh, they were sacrificing babies back then. And Mm -hmm. God said, I want you to go into that land and I want you to reclaim that land for life. And Joshua 1 9 says, um, you know, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And so I just felt like the Lord was saying, I want you to go into Sacramento. I want you to go into the nation and I want you to be a part of reclaiming this land for life. And Mm -hmm. I had no idea how that was actually going to transpire, but now five years looking back, it is unbelievable as I have been invited to Washington, D.C., sat on the Senate floor um, here in California, just was in the health committee, was invited to the White House for a White House event. Wow. How God would actually put that, um, take that to a whole nother level that I couldn't even dream or imagine. Um, but anyways, so during that time, as I was doing a precept study in the book of Joshua and learning, learning about you know, what it means to go into this land, to reclaim that land for life, to not look to the left or to the right, you know, to keep your eyes focused on Christ. And, you know, God said, I'm going to, I'm going to go into that land and I'm going to be with you, but you have a lot of work to do and I'm going to protect you. um, But uh, you, and you're going to face all kinds of opposition. You're going to face all kinds of giants. But be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then right about that same time, a, a girlfriend of mine sent me, um, she sent me a um, a video from the CEO of Planned Parenthood standing on a national mm. stage talking about how Planned Parenthood offers prenatal care to women. And, you know, regardless of what Planned Parenthood is, we all know who they are. Um, Of course, the whole pro-life community was angry about what she was saying. Um, But for me, as the director of a pro-life organization, I was like, no, wait a minute. Like, we know who Planned Parenthood is, but why aren't aren't we offering prenatal care? As a matter of fact, like, why aren't we offering all the services that Planned Parenthood offers minus abortion for free and with the hope of the gospel attached to that, proving the heart of our God. And so that kind of became this vision that God had given me of, of basically abandoning this old pregnancy center model and embracing this like full OB uh, service clinic model. And so I took that vision and that dream to my board. Um, you know, they, they did what a lot of boards do. Um, you know, as I shared this idea of (laughs) abandoning, abandoning just this pregnancy center model, becoming a full OB clinic. Um, you know, they kind of gave me a nice little pat on the back and was like, Hey, (laughs) that is a, that is a great five-year goal strategy, but there is, 
there's no way financially that we can do that. And there is no mm. way medically we can do that because in order to add all of those services, you have to have a physician assistant or a nurse practitioner. And um, we clearly didn't have the medical staff to make that vision a reality. But I told the board in that moment, I said, I don't believe this is for our future. I believe God is asking us to trust him for this right now. And right about that same time, um, uh, that next Monday, um, I had a Russian couple come in for a tour that was totally out of the blue. And I give tours to pro-choice people, pro-life people. I don't care who you are. Um, I'll talk yeah. about Jesus and what we do all day long. Um, and I'm unashamed. So uh, <laughs> that's amazing. So this Russian couple comes in and was very quiet through the whole tour. At the end of the tour, I kind of shared this vision of like becoming a full OB clinic and um, and that uh, we would like to embrace all of these added uh, medical services. And so we're just praying about how God would provide for that. And all of a sudden at the end, I said, do you guys have any questions? And the husband looks at the wife and then looks at me and um, with tears streaming down his face, basically said, I feel like we need to take off our shoes. I feel like we're standing on holy ground. Wow. And what, what he began to share was that his wife was a physician assistant and they had been praying with their church congregation for three years that God would provide a clinic like ours that she could serve in. And oh my gosh. Like, we, didn't, we didn't even know that you existed. And so he goes, here's the deal. He's like, my wife is going to quit her six-figured salary paid position. She's going to come work for you for free. And uh, we're going to go raise all of our own support. And uh, he said, are you, are you okay with that? And <laughs> oh my gosh, it, like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and then, um, and then that next week, um, it was our gala for life. It was our goal to raise $140,000 at that event, which was more than we'd ever raised before. And God ended up bringing us a half a million dollars. And so as a result of just the overwhelming provision, in a matter of six weeks, we were able to move forward with becoming one of the first pregnancy centers in the country, embracing this full OB practice model, uh, offering all the services that Planned Parenthood offers, minus abortion for free, and with the gospel attached to that, um, again, proving wow. the heart of our God. And he has been so faithful ever since. So to circle back around to your question, um, Alternatives Pregnancy Center is a licensed medical clinic. We've been serving the community here in Sacramento for the last 41 years. And uh, we, we have uh, three OB doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, phlebotomists, medical assistants, the whole nine yards. And um, all of our services are free to our community. Uh, last year alone, we gave away nearly $1.5 million worth of free medical care to our community. Wow. And, um, you know, for us, it's, it's all about um, giving women um, hope. Uh, you know, I say this all the time, the words, you are pregnant. You know, those words are some of the most powerful words that are spoken over a woman's life. Uh, other mm. than will you marry me, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, those words have eternal consequences. So having the privilege of being 
there with a woman when she is seeing her baby for the very first time an ultrasound image who is contemplating abortion and then giving her not only the medical services, but the prenatal care that she needs uh, to make a long-term life decision for her baby, along with parenting classes and resources to help her well into parenting is a privilege for for our team. And not only do we offer all those medical services and all those resources, um, but we also offer what's called post-abortion care for women who have actually experienced abortion, giving women hope even after they've experienced the pain and loss of abortion. What our culture does not understand is it's not just about a woman's right to choose. Um, Many of the young women that come to our clinic, um, unfortunately, no one's talking about how they are being forced by their parents or forced by the father of the baby uh, to have uh, abortions. And uh, they don't, they don't want to make that choice. And so no one really talks about that. And it's, um, it's a, it's a privilege and a blessing to be, um, be here for women, uh, holistically caring for their, um, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical well-being. Wow. Uh, That is uh, amazing. And and I, I knew all of that. And then to hear you say it again is just, it's so powerful to hear what you guys are doing. Um, and I just get this picture uh, as you were talking of the reality that uh, we as Christians on this earth are in uh, a spiritual battle. And sometimes it's just so encouraging to hear that there are others out there fighting for uh, what what God wants on earth. And I hear that when when you talk about what you guys are doing. So thank you for the work that you guys are doing and how uh, you're being faithful to to God's call. Um, something that I'd, I'd love to move into a little bit, something I'm, I'm curious about for myself, because I've heard so many different things in the last few months, but um, also I think would be beneficial for our listeners to hear would be that uh, for you to speak for a moment, if possible, about the current state of abortion uh, legislation in California and what that looks like, because I've heard many different things. And at, at one point, I just got too tired of, of trying to jump through the hoops and figure out what was uh, accurate and, and what wasn't. But you're kind of in the middle of of this conversation uh, on a daily basis. And so uh, maybe you could explain a little bit of that to us. But uh, And then if you think necessary to, uh, maybe that starts with even just briefly defining abortion or explaining uh, kind of the various types of abortion or what that looks like too, to help us understand where some of that legislation might come into play. Yeah, this is a difficult uh, topic to talk about. Um, obviously, the word abortion is tied to here in our culture, a political agenda. And the the real meaning of what an abortion actually is and the act of abortion is kind of disconnected. Um, from the actual word itself. And as a matter of fact, I just did a clinic tour for a bunch of uh, medical students. And as we got done with with the, the tour, not only were we t- discussing the difference between surgical and chemical abortion, but they were basically sharing how in um, as, as first year medical students, how they were in a conversation with abortionists and doctors and how the abortion industry is choosing to willfully um, uneducate women on the reality of what abortion is and uh, of what's going to happen through chemical abortion specifically 
Um, and, and it's, tr- it's so traumatic that mm-hmm. um, our culture, uh, even the Christian culture in a lot of ways just chooses to ignore the reality of what it actually is. So obviously abortion is the intentional killing of uh, an unborn child. Uh, Here in California, it was just legalized in January of 2023 that infanticide is now made legal. You can actually allow a baby to die up to 28 days after uh, a baby is, is born through an abortion process. And so, yeah, let's just break down the difference between surgical abortion and chemical abortion as it relates to our culture. Um, So let's just talk briefly about surgical abortion. And I have to preface this conversation with what happened prior to 2020 and what happened after 2020, because abortion today looks in a a definitely distinctly different than what it looked like prior to 2020. So we're just going to talk about the difference between surgical and chemical quickly prior to 2020. So prior to 2020, if you were interested in a surgical abortion procedure, you would go into a doctor's office. You basically would be given a pregnancy test to confirm that you were pregnant. Uh, You would be given an ultrasound. The ultrasound's primary purpose was to allow the abortionist to know whether you were in a first, second, or third trimester uh, in your pregnancy to determine what type of abortion you would have. First, second, or third trimester surgical abortion. If it's first trimester surgical abortion, um, basically what would happen is you would be in a doctor's office, you would have a doctor there, you would have a nurse there, you would be numb from the waist down. Um, you would have a suction in- instrument that would basically suction the baby out. You would not necessarily see anything. And uh, you would be wheeled into a recovery room and given basic instructions on how to take care of yourself as you leave. Um, a chemical abortion, however, is completely different. Abortion is the abortion of choice today. Um, most young women uh, uh, who this drug is being marketed to um, prefer chemical abortion over surgical abortion because it's less what they would say invasive. You don't have to go to a doctor's office. You don't have to be, you know, um, have this surgical procedure, have a doctor there, have a nurse there. You can simply just take this pill and your problem goes away is basically mm-hmm. how it's marketed. And um, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, wow. Basically, what youth are told today is taking the abortion pill is, is simply like taking uh, Tylenol. And again, it couldn't be further from the wow. truth. So prior to 2020, a young woman would go into an abortion clinic. She would um, be given a pregnancy test to confirm that she's pregnant, and she would be given an ultrasound. And the ultrasound's purpose for chemical abortion back then was to ensure that she was 10 weeks and less in her pregnancy, because if she was 10 weeks and more in her pregnancy, um, a lot of complications could happen as a result of that. 
So uh, 10 weeks and less, and then she could be offered the abortion pill. The abortion pill is a, is a series of two different pills. So the first pill is mifepristone. A young woman basically would be given that first series of pills in the doctor's office right then and there. Um, she would be asked to open her mouth to the, ensure the pills were swallowed. The doctor would document the time that the pills were swallowed. And then she would be given a second series of pills and told to go home and to not leave home until her abortion happens in the comfort of her own home. Uh, the first series of pills basically causes the starvation process. It blocks the baby's body's ability to absorb progesterone, which are the nutrients that a baby needs to sustain a viable, healthy pregnancy. So it essentially begins the starvation process, begins to starve the baby to death. The second series of pills that she takes um, as she leaves and is told to take 48 hours later, um, uh, throws her body into labor and starts contractions. So a lot of these young women are isolated in a bathroom all by themselves. There is no doctor there. There is no nurse there. There is no pain medication. And these young women are going into labor uh, on their floor, in their toilet, in their shower, and physically seeing everything that's coming out of them. And, and um, is incredibly traumatizing to them. When I was uh, invited last year to speak on the Senate floor, um, I shared the story of a 19-year-old patient who came to us. She was uh, raised in a Christian home. She was an only child and was adopted. And she basically testifies to the fact that her parents forced her to have a chemical abortion. Um, she talks about the pain associated with that. Uh, talks about how there was no one there medically to help her and that when she gave birth on the floor, she physically saw her baby and how no one prepared her for what she was going to see. And she talks about how she in the mess and in the pain of it all, how she basically pulled her baby out of that mess, put it in a plastic bag and basically took it to a memorial garden in Roseville and had it buried because she did not want this chemical abortion. And then as a result, um, ended up having to be taken to the emergency room because she almost hemorrhaged to death. Um, oh you know, gosh. as I shared, as I shared this story on the Senate floor um, in July, I was sitting next to the head abortionist from Planned Parenthood. And she ended her opening remarks with abortion is healthcare, abortion is love. When I told that story, if you can imagine a pill being sent by mail with no doctor, no nurse, no pain medication, physically seeing everything coming out of you. There is nothing loving about that. And there is nothing healthcare related to that situation. And for these young women, it's one thing to go to an abortion facility, have a surgical procedure and leave and never have to drive by that clinic ever again. But many of these young women who, who are having chemical abortions in their homes, in their bathrooms, have to wake up every single morning and relive the trauma of that event. 
And because our clinic offers post-abortive care and post-abortive healing to women who have experienced that, we hear story after story after story of women who have been incredibly traumatized by this whole process, wanting to know why in the world were they not educated on the reality of what was happening or what was going to happen to them. And um, informed consent in the abortion industry is no longer a thing. There is no Mm. such thing as informing patients on the difference between surgical abortion and chemical abortion and the different stages of what to expect um, in, in, you know, different types of abortions. And it is, it is tragic. It, you know, it, it's, it should be illegal. And yet that's what we fight against on, on a daily basis. So um, we talked about what it looks like prior to 2020. Now let's talk for a moment about what it looks like in our culture after 2020. So we all know, we all know that 2020 changed everything in the face of our, our culture. And it definitely changed the the face of the abortion industry Um, because Planned Parenthood was open um, in 2020, strictly open, only offering abortion services. We decided that our clinic here in Sacramento would be open if Planned Parenthood was open. And um, that ended up being one of the most powerful years of of our ministry's history. Uh, Because what happened was Planned Parenthood didn't want to hire nurses. Um, it was nurses' uh, responsibility to basically sign a document uh, called um, a pregnancy verification form. And that pregnancy verification form has to be signed by a nurse uh, or a medical professional that basically tells an abortionist what stage a woman is in giving her first, second, or third trimester abortion. So because Planned Parenthood did not want to hire nurses during that time, they knew that we did free uh, medical care. So they started sending their patients to us so that our our nurses would sign off on those pregnancy verification forms. Oh, wow. That year, um, even though Planned Parenthood didn't intend it, God knew exactly what he was doing. And that year we intercepted 238 women who were originally abortion wow. that ended up choosing life as wow. a result Praise God. of what um, Planned Parenthood was doing. Yeah. Um, so that was an incredible experience. But um, in April of 2021, the Biden administration released what's called REMS protocol on the abortion pill. Basically, what that means is REMS protocol are protocol that are put on drugs to protect uh, patients from uh, getting access to drugs that they haven't had proper prior care to. So, like, for instance, with the abortion pill, um, prior to 2020, you would have to have oversight by an OB doctor you would have to have your pregnancy confirmed. You would have to have um, uh, uh, basically a pregnancy verification form signed confirming that you were 10 weeks and less in your gestation 
uh, ultrasound performed com confirming that. You would also have an ultrasound to confirm that you were not in the middle of an ectopic pregnancy um, because you could be killed. Basically, you could die if you took these abortion pills and wow. you were in the middle of an ectopic pregnancy. Um, so this is really important. I have to make a side note here. Yeah. Um, because many people confuse abortion and ectopic pregnancies. Your listening audience needs to understand that an ectopic pregnancy and a DNC that happens during an ectopic pregnancy is not an abortion. The pro-choice community will tell you that pro-life individuals um, basically don't believe in abortion at all, even in situations of ectopic pregnancy. It is true that most pro-life people don't believe that abortion is ever right, but an ectopic pregnancy is not an abortion. It is not, um, women don't decide that they're going to have an abortion because the baby is in the fallopian tube. Um, that is a medical procedure that must happen. So it's really, really important that your listening audience understands that ectopic yeah. pregnancy is not an abortion. Um, so that's a whole nother conversation for a whole sure. nother day. But, um, so these, these REMS protocol are put in place to basically protect these drugs from not getting into the hands of people who have not had proper care prior to taking them. No. And, um, but the Biden administration released those REMS protocol, which mean, which meant that those pills were now being legally sent by mail to anyone who requested them online. Um, oh which at our clinic, we began to see the ramifications of what that was doing in the lives of women who these women were gaining access to this pill in their 20th and 30th week of pregnancy. Um, so, you oh, know, wow. it's when women deliver a baby on the floor in a bathroom with 10 weeks and less in gestation, we all know that a baby that's 10 weeks in gestation can't survive outside of the womb. But if you have a woman who gains access to the abortion pill in her 30th week of pregnancy, um, yeah. there is a traumatic experience that's about to take place. And uh, we were seeing firsthand these women in their 30th week of pregnancy who were basically going into labor on the floor um, in their bathroom, 30 week old baby being born alive and, and basically these, these women freaking out. And in those situations, one or two things are going to happen. A woman is going to take matters into their own hands and take the life of that unborn child, um, allow the baby to just um, die, natural causes um, death, or they're going to call 911 and they're going to be rushed to, to the hospital and, um, and try to save the life of that baby when she realizes um, you know, what's actually happening to her. And so as we saw this coming down the pipeline uh, with patients walking into our door in their 30th week of pregnancy, um, we realized as a staff, we were not ready for what was coming. Yeah. And um, not, not just on a medical level, but on a legal level as well. Um, we had a, a woman 30 weeks in her pregnancy take the abortion pill, show up at our clinic, 
um, basically in a, a tremendous amount of pain, wanting us to make it stop, but still wanted an abortion. And we realized well, what's going to happen when she accidentally delivers in her clinic. Um, she wants mm. an abortion. Um, are we going to, you know, try to rush her to a pro-life hospital that's going to try to help her and save the life of this child? Um, not only that, but we realized in that moment, legally, our country isn't ready for what's about to happen. And so that's when we saw legislation begin to try to sail through as quickly as possible, especially here in California, uh, in the form of uh, a AB 2223. Uh, that law basically decriminalizes women and it decriminalizes hospitals uh, for allowing babies to be born alive through an abortion process and left to die up to 28 days after after being born. So there is a lot more to this yeah. conversation that I, mean, sure. I, I could talk for, for quite a while, but, but um, it's, it's tragic, absolutely tragic what's yeah. happening in our culture and in our day and age. Um, and now basically babies no longer have to be ripped apart in the womb um, in an abortion. Babies can actually, women can be induced uh through misoprostol, which is the second drug that in the in the abortion pill process, they can literally just be induced, and um, and then those babies born alive and and left to die. We had a um, a woman who was here three weeks ago, who was uh, twenty eight weeks pregnant, was contemplating an abortion. Uh, tragically, after multiple uh, um, counseling sessions with her and ultrasounds and, and medical care, she moved forward with her abortion choice, signed up for post-abortive care with us after her abortion, came to us afterwards, and basically talked about how um, she was at a, a local um, hospital, had an abortion, and they just induced labor. They put the live baby on the woman's chest, and the baby was basically left to die on her chest. And it is, it is just, it's disgusting what, oh what, what, what we are being faced with on a day-to-day -day basis. And, wow. you know, this is where I, you know, I have for the last two years, as God has just placed this conversation um, on my heart. And fortunately, no matter where I go, even in the Christian community, um, you know, I speak a message that very few people either a want to listen to um, yeah. at, or want to hear. And yeah, I have desperately cried out to pastors to, um, to allow parts of these conversations to happen, to allow me as a pastor's wife to help educate them on the reality of what's happening, because God's word says we cannot be silent on this subject. Proverbs 24, 11 says, rescue those who are being led to slaughter hold back those who are stumbling to death. And then he goes on to say, if you say, if you say, you know, we didn't know this was happening. No, God judges the hearts of his people. He knows. And, mm. and it, when pastors refuse to stay silent on the most politically, emotionally charged issue in America today, um, their sheep are left to the voice of the culture and the voice mm. of the culture will always lead to death. And um, pastors are called. Um, this is not a political issue. This is a gospel issue. This yeah. is a life issue. Um, and it is uh, it is tragic.
Wow. I tragic is, is the word that you keep using and keeps coming to my mind too. And there's so much, uh, there that is heartbreaking to me. Uh, so many parts of that, that I can't even find the right words to express just how heartbreaking and, and, uh, even just terrifying, uh, those things are for me, but even more so for the women in, in these situations, um, and and I agree with what you mentioned as far as pastors and and us as Christians being uh, involved in in an issue that's this uh, charged and important. Um, and I love what you said that it's not uh, a political issue, but that this is a gospel issue and a life issue. And I think that sometimes uh, on issues like this, there are other other hot topic issues uh, in our culture today. But things like this, where we uh, have uh, maybe idols is the right word. Maybe it's not the right word, but we have these. Uh, things that we care about, like our political stance or uh, the communities that we fit into or the friendships that we long to be a part of or the feathers that we don't want to ruffle in our community, whatever it might be, that we hold on to more than we hold on to what God is calling us to do. And we see this in your story as you're talking about uh, how you, you know, this wasn't a calling that you necessarily were like jumping at the gun uh, for, but, but recognize that there was a call on your life to submit to what God wanted to do with it. And that's the same for all of us. And I think that, you know, each of us may have been given different talents or gifts or specific passions, but there are issues that all Christians uh, ought to care about. And I think that this is one of them where, uh, we're not even really talking about the politics side of things. We're talking about the reality that there are, uh, babies that are dying or being put to death, uh, and we have a, a calling, I believe, a responsibility to do something about that. Uh, and and organizations like yours provide us the opportunity to to also do something about that. So I just want to thank you again for sharing and uh, just express how emotionally heavy it is for me to even just hear you uh, talk about what's going on. The, the question that I have, like, how do I jump in? Like, what do I do? What do I get involved? And I think that's where a lot of our listeners uh, are feeling as well. And so the question that I have for you is what, like, with all of the information that you shared, what does it look like for Christians to get involved in this area? Are there positive ways or negative, like, are there things, areas that we shouldn't get involved in? Are there things that we should do? Like, what would be some advice you would give to somebody who's hearing this, isn't involved really, but is thinking, how could I start getting involved in, uh, like, in in this fight? What What would you say to them? Where would we start? So I would definitely start with, uh, you need to know um, what's going on on the front lines. And um, so I would absolutely begin with a tour of our clinic. So uh, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. It's one thing to, to think you understand who we are and what we're doing. Um, but we are truly on the front lines. And I tell our staff that um, every day, like, we better be fasting. We better be praying. We better seeking, be seeking God's word. Uh, we better be armoring up because when we walk through these doors every single morning, um, people, women are walking out the doors, walking in the doors, choosing life for that unborn child or choosing abortion. And what we do on a daily basis, the enemy absolutely despises. And, mm-hmm. um, And so I think it is really important that your listening audience understands what's happening on the front line and, and, and sees it with their own eyes so that when they engage in conversation and they're engaging in a way 
with firsthand knowledge and firsthand education. Uh, mm. I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, okay. People, I, I can't tell you how many people walk through our doors and was like, wow, Heidi, like I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so really there's there's no excuse. Um, it's an hour and a half out of your day. Um, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I just cannot encourage you enough. Sign up for a tour, come down, learn about what's happening. Um, because it's not only, as I mentioned, like here's our exam room and here's our conference room. And sure, it's not just sure. a physical tour. It's, it's about the education that happens in and through um, that tour that is so absolutely vital. And you seeing it uh, firsthand is, is so important. Yeah. The number two thing that I would say that you need to do is, um, you know, financially support your local pregnancy center. Um, this isn't just a plug for me. I don't care who you are, where you're at. Um, you know, I do not receive a dollar of federal funding. I think Planned Parenthood just released their annual report. I think they got like 30 some billion dollars, million dollars from Planned Parenthood here in California just within the last year. Wow. Um, I have to go out every year and raise every single penny um, just so we can give away free services, just so we can offer an alternative to abortion. And, um, you know, that costs a lot of money to do that. Yeah. And so um, I would just ask your listening audience to just rise up and and um, not only understand the reality of what's happening, not only be educated on it, but to financially um, support ministries like ours, uh, wherever you're at. And, um, and then the fourth thing I would tell you to do is you have to get involved politically. And a lot hmm. of... I, Honestly, I will say as a pastor's wife who stepped into this ministry solely with a heart to help women in unplanned pregnancy situations, um, God called me to a political arena that I didn't want anything to do with. Um, I can't stand the, um, unfortunately, when people start to talk about politics, uh, how often the love of God uh, is is removed from those conversations. Yeah. And basically, when we talk about this issue without love, without a foundation of Jesus Christ, um, we are resounding noises, right? Where God's word says, without love, we're nothing. Yeah. Um, but just like Esther, uh, God called Esther in Esther 4.14, most of us know that verse is, you were here for such a time as this. But God convicted me so deeply um, as I was uh, learning, re reading through the book of Esther. Um, in that verse, Mordecai is talking to Esther and he says these words, Esther, if you remain silent. If you remain silent at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will arise from another place. Meaning God's going to do what God's going to do. He's sovereign. Wow. He, you know, he's going to win. But Esther, you have been called for such a time as this. Oh, wow. And Esther had to get politically involved. Um, yeah. She had to be on the front lines. And, and God ordained her to, to rescue those being led to slaughter in that moment. And yeah. 
those words, if you remain silent at such a time as this, look, God's going to do what God's going to do, but he has called us here for such a time as this to rescue, um, to rescue unborn children. And we cannot be silent about this issue, uh, but no. you have to be educated and you have to know on a political level, what laws are trying to be passed and uh, what's happening on a political level. You cannot be ignorant to that. And mm -hmm. I will say for me personally, I was the first one in line. Like, again, I don't want to be involved on a political level, but uh, and as a matter of fact, like I, I didn't pay attention in poli sci class. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's that whole arena is intimidating to me. I don't fully understand how it works. And yet here God has called me, you know, yeah. to, to speak on a Senate level, to be a part of a White House event, to to speak here in California at, on the health committee. We were just able two weeks ago to basically kill a bill in the appropriations committee um, because of the testimony of what God has done in and through our clinic. Wow. And um, it was, uh, there was an article that was released two days ago that basically said for the first time in California history, um, an abortion bill that was backed by the abortion caucus um, was, was killed in the appropriations committee based on wow. the opposition that they came up against in the health committee. And so um it might seem like California is a lost cause, but let me <laughs> tell you, our God is still sovereign and he is yeah, still in control and he is still in the business of doing miracles. And we yeah. witnessed that last year. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. As, as you were talking about being involved in the political sphere, I know that's intimidating to myself. It's intimidating to probably a lot of our listeners, but I'm reminded of, uh, Jesus talking to his disciples, uh, and he he's basically encouraging them that if they're hated by the world, uh, then that's okay because the world hated Jesus first. And if you're like Jesus, you're not going to fit in with the world around you either. Um, and I think that we should take that verse more seriously as Christians sometimes and recognize that uh, a version of of Christianity or of following Jesus that. Uh, doesn't bother anybody in our community, doesn't bother anybody politically, doesn't bother anybody in our city or our county or our state, is a version of Christianity that's probably missing some things. Because there wasn't this in Jesus' time, there wasn't this version of following Jesus that just played nice with everybody on all sides. It mm -hmm. uh, He has, uh, God has an agenda and objectives, and he's building, you know, he wants to build his his kingdom here through us. And in order for us to do that, we have to overturn the priorities of this world and, and replace them with uh, gospel priorities, kingdom priorities, and those sorts of things. So as you were talking, I just wanted to remind our listeners that, you know, it, part of why we do that too is, is because we weren't called to just fit in perfectly with the world around us. We're called to have biblical priorities and, and legislation uh, are friend, uh, Greg Burt told me this at one point, he said, legislation is one of the ways in which we instill biblical priorities in the world around us. And so if you're wondering, why do we care about politics? Because while well, politics and legislation are opportunities for us to bring about the biblical priorities that scripture calls us to have, uh, in the communities around us. So there's a, yeah, some, some... and, and, you know, God's word, you know, uh, I'm reminded in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 43, um, was part of some verses that I memorized from last year. And, you know, God 
God set his people aside in the Old Testament uh, for two reasons. He set his people aside, made them look uniquely different as his chosen people so that they could be eyewitnesses to his goodness and they could proclaim his glory. And there is nothing more that the enemy wants to do in our day and age is to eliminate future generations of eyewitnesses to God's goodness and the proclamation of his glory. And, um, and when we, when we speak up on this issue, that is what we are doing. We are protecting the next generation of eyewitnesses and protect, protecting the proclamation of God's glory for future generations. And, um, I'm so deeply convicted by that. And I can so resonate with some of the Old Testament prophets who, you know, who went out and spoke a message that nobody wanted to hear, even in Christian communities, like, and yet it burns in my bones and I don't have a choice. Like God mm-hmm. has just said, this is what you're doing. And um, I tell you, it's it's hard. It, it is not, you know, when people see you coming and turn the other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not always fun. <laughs> Um, yeah. But but yeah. it is undeniable, and it's not just me. He calls each and every one of us to do that as well. Wow! Well, thank you. Thanks for for sharing that. I couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, I've already kept you longer than I said I was going to, but I just have one more question for you, um, which would be it's I, I it's kind of twofold. But the the first is that uh, if there were any resources that you could recommend to our listeners, maybe their books or videos or something like that, that you could recommend, what would those be? And then I just wanted to give you, you know, a final chance to, to close with any final thoughts you had as somebody who's on the front lines of this battle, if there's anything else that you wish listeners would know. So that's kind of a two-parter there. Uh, well, there's a lot of really great resources out there. Why pro-life by Randy Alcorn um, it's just an invaluable resource, understanding the pro-life perspective. Um, and uh, Randy does a great job of, of laying out the case for life as it relates to, you know, speaking about pro-life issues with pro-choice people. Um, but I will say God's word is all we need. And I know that sounds super cliche, um, but um, God's word addresses every single topic in our culture and on our day and age. And he has all kinds of things to say, uh, whether it's in Deuteronomy where God, you know, through Moses, uh, you know, says to his people today, I set you, uh, I, I, I have heaven and earth to testify against you. And today I set before you a choice. I set before you life and death. Um, and he, he compels his people to choose life. Why? So that him, them and their descendants may live. Uh, Mm. being again, eyewitnesses to God's word. And so, um, you know, God's word is littered with um, amazing truths about who he is. And part of the issue with the Christian cultures specifically is we are ignorant to what God says. We are ignorant to biblical truths and, and biblical theology. And so I always want to be a woman who is pointing people back to Christ, to God's word. I mean, you look at the story of the woman at the well, where here we have Jesus personally pursuing the most unlikely of women who's been stuck in multiple adulterous affairs. And, and, uh, you know, here he seeks her out going against every cultural norm of the time and, and offers her living water. And, um, 
And as a result of it, she becomes the first evangelist of mm. all time uh, to evangelize the most unlikely of people, the Samaritans. And um, so I don't ever want to downplay God's word and, and, and just the profound influence that ha it has on every one of our lives. Um, and then to go back, you know, circling back around, I just, I can't, I can't ask you enough to just be educated. Um, there's a video out there that's called Bef before you decide it's kind of a cartoon. Uh, it, 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 it displays on more of a reality level without being too graphic. Um, the truth of what abortion is, um, our youth need to be educated. Our youth need to understand the reality of what abortion is so that they can be a voice to so bring your youth groups down to the clinic. Uh, I do tours. I just did a tour for 35 uh, youth from a, from a local um, youth group. Um, but uh, don't avoid this subject. Um, I, I encourage you just to be educated, to support the work that we do. And, um, uh, you know, there's so much I can say. <laughs> Noah. <laughs> I know. I know. Speaking of Noah, I will I will end with this. Speaking of Noah, I I um I was joking with somebody yesterday, you know, we we say at Alternatives Pregnancy Center, we're pro-gospel, pro-woman, and pro-life in that order for a reason. And uh we building a pro-gospel, pro-woman, pro-life medical clinic here in Sacramento, California is a little bit like building a boat in the middle of the desert where there's rain. And so we just say, God, let it rain. And, uh, mm. and so, um, one thing I would ask of your listening audience is to just be in prayer for us. Um, since the health committee hearing, I have stalkers. I've just had to get FBI involved. I've had a private oh, investigator wow. here at our clinic today. Um, just personal threats in my home, personal threats over my life um, here at the clinic. Uh, and then we are 60 days wow. out from an inspection with the California Department of Public Health. Um, basically, that will allow us to operate our brand new clinic um, here here uh, at um, 8689 Folsom Boulevard. And uh, that is going to be, a, a, that's going to be a battle. And so just pray that God would allow us to um, move forward with that license so that we can operate out of our new out of our new clinic. So just be, be in prayer for our staff, yeah. our medical team, and all of us that are fighting on the front lines. No, definitely. We definitely will. Heidi, thank you so much for coming on the show and for blessing us with your wisdom and experience. It was, it was wonderful. We're so grateful you were able to come on. Yeah. Thank you so much, Noah. And thank you to your listening audience. I know this is a heavy topic, so God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Your Donut Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you liked what you heard, rate the show and leave us a review. That helps other people find us and it lets us know how you feel about it. I hope you have an awesome day and that you never settle for anything less than all in with Jesus. Thank you.